You like Patricia? I'm talking to you. You like Patricia? I'd take me leaving. I'd recommend you leave. After what they done done to your ass with all that mad tan mole and step and fetch it shit. Or maybe, maybe you're a radio man. That's it. You, you like radio? Answer me. Yeah, I like it sometimes. Goddamn right you do. All that Amos, Amos and Anthony. You know, movies and, and radio white people just sit around all day long thinking up that shit. <laughs> and then they believe it. Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we demonstrate our force of will by acting rationally in the face of adversity as we watch a Finnish dude brutally murder some Nazis in Sisu. Then we kick off our heist movie marathon with the French granddaddy of the genre, Rafifi. We give you the rundown of the weekly physical media releases, the straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week... Then we wrap this up with everybody's favorite game of inconsequential Sophie's Choices, Call It. So let's become Unstoppable Killing Machines with Sisu. He fought in the Winter War. Lost his home and his family to the Russians. He became a ruthless, vengeful soldier who took orders from no one. The Finns... They gave up trying to discipline or control him. They just sent him out, alone, into the wilderness to hunt Russian patrols. He became a one-man death squad. <laughs> the reports are unconfirmed, but it looks like he has over 300 Russian kills. The Russians, they gave him a name. They call him Koshai, the immortal. Man, that's some like John Wick shit right there, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, why don't you tell the fine folks at home, what is Sisu all about? Sisu? 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 Sisu! The immortal is out uh, prospecting for gold uh, in the kind of waning days of World War II uh, up in the wilds of Finland somewhere. And he comes across the mother load, a huge vein of gold. So he digs it out, packs it up, and starts heading back towards civilization when, as people are wont to do, they run into those damn Nazis and uh, they take the gold from him. And he is not going to let that aggression stand, man. And he takes it to him in creative and brutal ways. So I first saw the trailer for this a few months ago. And I texted Matt. And I'm like, all right, Matt, don't watch anything about this. We're just going to do it for the show. Mm -hmm. Because I was all excited about it. I enjoy me some watching some Nazis get all effed up. And uh, the more violent, the better. The gorier, the better. Just as much carnage that those SOBs can handle. You know, sign me up. I'm there every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So, Matt, 
Did you go in cold? Did you end up seeing anything about this? Um, trailers are unavoidable. Yeah, I did end up seeing a trailer for it for whatever we saw. What did we see the week before? I've already forgotten what we saw the week before. <laughs> I have to look at my own notes. It was Evil Dead, wasn't it? Yeah, Evil yeah. Dead Rise. It was on. It was in front of Evil Dead Rise. That's that's bad, folks. Because we like that movie, and we still couldn't remember what the hell we just saw. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just I'm chalking that up one to age and two that it's almost nine thirty mm, on a school night. That is. And uh you and I are both very busy in our non first run lives, mm-hmm. believe it or not. What are your thoughts on Sisu? Is it a fine example of a genre picture? Does it not go far enough? Does it go too far? What are your thoughts? Hmm, that's a good set of questions there. I think it is a fine example of a kind of lean, mean, violence machine. I think it owns a debt to quite a few um, contemporaries. I think it has nuggets of Tarantino in there. Um, It's got pieces of Westerns, things like that. I think it is incredibly violent, but at the same time, sometimes I just wanted more. I don't, that's weird to say, but I feel like it wasn't quite as frenetic as I expected it to be. I mean, it is still brutal. It is still mean. It is still very graphic. But there is something... I don't know what the Finns would say, but the French would say there is a je ne sais quoi about it. And I don't know mm-hmm. what. Um, a certain I don't know what. <laughs> exactly, Yes. <laughs> So yeah, I I enjoyed it, but as the smarter of the two of us, or at least the more film literate of the two of us, I'm hoping that you can kind of help shed light onto what it, why why do I feel like it was missing something? That's interesting because I had the exact same reaction. I mean, we're not making any real grand statements here. Mm-hmm. All right, this is just like you said, it's a lean mean genre picture, and I think it's a fine example of one. I think that uh, the director and writer, Jalmari Halander, does a good job. Just He has this streamlined story he's here to tell about this hard-assed Finnish guy who was, you know, what would be the bear Jew or something. He's just, mm-hmm. you know, the ultimate killing machine uh, and killed over, what, 200 Russians. And uh, they just kind of let him to do what he wants. Just great little backstory when we get some information finally about who he is. He doesn't talk basically throughout the entire film until basically the last scene in the movie. And I think there are sufficient amounts of Nazi deaths and gore could have used a little more. And it's like, I don't think it's not quite 90 minutes of glorious chaos. You're right. It feels it's like he definitely, it's like he watched some Tarantino. He watched some, you know, maybe a John Wick film. And then I'm sure there's some classic examples. I'm just blanking on at the moment as well. But I, in the end, I felt a little unsatisfied. It was like like when you you know you're slightly hungover and you get some Greek pizza. Like it, it satisfies your desire, but it's not quite as good as you would hope it would be. Shots and, fired to the Greek pizza community. <laughs> oh, it's crap. It's not good. Basically, here's my rule of thumb: if you're getting pizza, if they also sell like wings, mm. no, yes, it's it's not legit. I've heard Just this. Stay. I've heard this argument from Chris many many times. He's a very He's a vegan now, folks, but he is a pizza connoisseur, yeah. so I he's eaten a lot of them in his past, and I trust his judgment most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like. I'm glad that they didn't kill the dog, I guess, spoilers. Um, though a horse 
does not fare mm-hmm. well. And I think there's some interesting decisions with the way it's shot. I think the color palette is mostly washed out, but the gore is, is you know, brought to life and colorful. And you can almost smell it yeah. sometimes. I think it's so well sh- well shot and done. Uh, I think the interactions with at the end, kind of when the women come into play, that felt a little over-the-toppy to me sure. when they're walking out of the uh, the dust clouds of everything, right? I mean, just, I don't know. It... I don't want to say it's a try-hard film, but I also it's not like I didn't like yeah. it. I think I, I had a good ninety minutes with it. I just I think I was just expecting a little bit more chaos, a little bit more over-the-top yeah. stuff. I mean, the gore is there and stuff; it's fine, but it's like you said, it is missing something, and I can't put my finger on what it is as well. I don't know if it's the stakes never really feel that. In authentic or or really grab you. Yeah. He's just a guy trying to get to the bank to get his gold and start the next chapter of his life. So there's no rule. He's just really efficient, but he, you know he, nobody really cares. I guess I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think the more we talk about it, I hate to kind of put it in the language of Tarantino, but I, this made me think of two things. So one, this seems like an idea Tarantino would have, right? I mean, it mm-hmm. strikes me. Like, what this was going for was, like, the really wild parts of Kill Bill 1, right? This is trying to go for the vibe of, like, the Crazy 88 scene. And I think part of what's missing, and maybe, I don't don't know if this is, if this is um, insensitive to our Scandinavian (laughs) listeners, but it seems to have a detachment to it. That kind of like like a like it doesn't seem like anybody's having any fun. The Nazis are not like mustache twirling enough. They're not really villain. They yeah. all they're beaten down. They're at the end of the war. You know, some of they're, they're assholes, obviously, and they're bad and villains and stuff. But they're not like cartoonish, which is really kind of what I want them to be. And he's not really cartoonish either. Like he doesn't seem he's doing it. Because he's an absolute crazy person. I mean, he's taking it out on people who deserve it, but he does seem like a crazy person. But he, it, weirdly, he doesn't seem to be having any fun while he's doing it. Like, it doesn't feel... It, it doesn't feel justified. I'm not saying it's not. It just doesn't feel justified. And the other thing I started... I, I, when I watched this... This also gave me flashbacks to Valhalla Rising. It's got a lot of mm-hmm. the same conceits, but it's not as weird... As that film is. So it's not as yeah. weird. It's much more as grounded as a thing like this can be. It's not as over the top as it probably should be. And it kind of has, it kind of looks at the stuff at like a kind of very matter of fact Scandinavian type of view, right? Like a very detached kind of view. And it just kind of left me cold yeah. a little bit. I mean, I had fun. I mean, when the landmine comes flying out of the mist and hits that guy in the face, I thought that was awesome. I thought that was hilarious. But, you know, it's not. There's, that's too few and far between, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just not quite gonzo enough for me. And I'm reading, too, that supposedly a couple, he had two major inspirations. One was First Blood. Mm. All right, which, again, he's the guy who just wants to be left alone right. and everybody's giving him a hard time. Well, they're Nazis, that's what they do. And then, I guess, based on a real-life Finnish sniper named Simu uh, Haya. So I guess he used, I guess, some legendary stories about him as well. He did another action film called Big Game that came out back in 2014 featuring Sam Jackson, who plays the president. Oh, okay. 
and it's well reviewed. Uh, it's got a pretty good. It's got a seventy-eight percent score on Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, maybe it's not terribly bad. I don't know. Maybe, I I don't know. But you're right. There is a level of detachment there, and uh, I just a. I don't know. Like we said, I just think it. The stakes either need to be higher, or it needed to go for it. Like you said, we needed more stuff on the level of that mind hitting mind hitting that guy in the mm-hmm. head. And I just. It wasn't really that there's one scene where he's, you know, um, incapacitated in some capacity. I don't want to spoil it for you. But the way he kind of rescues himself or saves himself, though ultimately having to rely on luck for his ultimate savior Mm -hmm. or survival. um, It's just more like, oh, that's gross. But still, it's... It's It's missing something. It doesn't feel like... Like, you want to be like, oh, shit, that's nasty, like, kind of while you're laughing at the same time while cringing. You don't get that. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, okay, that's that's kind of gross, and that's really brutal, but, like, yeah, man. I mean, and here's the thing. We're talking about this. Like, I didn't hate it. Like, I still, yeah. I, I would watch this again if it came on. Um, oh, sure. If it hit the right price point, I'd probably buy it if it was, like, super cheap or something and add it to the collection. I was really hoping for more, and I just didn't get it. Yeah, same. I'm settling right now on a B for Sisu. Yeah, that's. I agree. It's one of the weakest Bs we've ever gotten. We've complained about this movie for, you know, 15 <laughs> minutes now, and uh, <laughs> we came up with a B. I think it's part of it too is we've seen this story or version of this yeah. story many times before, and now we have the opportunity to see in this kind of but it's not like you said it's not hyper stylized like Valhalla Rising we, we get to see him take out a whole bunch of Nazis and yet but just the reward just isn't really quite there and I'm not quite sure what that is and why that is weird I did see it in the uh, Dolby mm-hmm. thankfully so I got to at least experience the explosions and the blood and the guts that yeah. way so that was yeah nice. me too there you go folks it's so funny when we t- <laughs> We talked down about a film that we basically really enjoyed for the most part. It's just yeah, well, because we had such. I'm disappointed. We just had slightly disappointed. Maybe we had unrealistic expectations. We are so well versed in what we were expecting to see, what we were hoping to get, and when we didn't get it, kind of feel a little let down. Yeah, that's all. If you had a chance to see Cece, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. It is currently playing in theaters near you. Matt, let's talk about what's coming up on a physical media this upcoming Tuesday, May 9th. we got some big stuff coming up. One big thing, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do about it, so maybe you can walk me through it. Ricky! Tuccosi! Avalianti! Radiosi! Freschi! King size! You wake up one morning and you ask yourself, Why am I so exciting? What makes me dramatic? Trying to say something about... Is that a voice unfamiliar to you at all, Matt? No, it doesn't. All right, fine. Well, you're uh, number... Number five? 
five film this week is going to be Sandpipers putting back out Absolute Beginners. Colin is a brazen 19-year-old with his finger on the pulse of Soho's burgeoning scene of artists. But when his beautiful girlfriend Suzette tires of their poor and struggling existence, Colin finds himself losing touch with himself and her. So it is kind of a fantasy romantic musical, and that was Mr. David Bowie, you heard there. He he shows up in the film for a smaller role. He contributed three songs. Um, that's Motivation, which you were hearing in the beginning of, Volare. And then, of course, one of his classics from the 80s, Absolute Beginners, the title song to the film. The uh, full eight-minute version, beautiful, beautiful stuff. If you've never heard it, check it out. But, uh, yeah, so that's 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 that, man. Yeah. I'm going to go with Kino Lorber is putting out Stone Cold. Do you remember the uh, Brian Bosworth film, Matt? I remember Brian Bosworth. I don't remember the film. <laughs> oh, yeah, featuring Lance Hendrickson as well and William Forsyth. He plays Joe Hoff, Matt. He's a tough, go-it-alone cop with a flair for infiltrating dangerous biker gangs. This is getting put back out on, or maybe it's Blu-ray for the first time. I'm not sure. But if you're a big Boz fan, you can finally pick this up on Blu-ray. And then, of course... Get three coffins ready. Shot Factory is putting out the Tiger Cage Collection. Matt, you're fairly well-versed in the martial arts. Do you know the uh, Tiger Cage Collection? I don't, no. So there are three action-packed films, Matt, filled with shootouts, hand-to-hand combat, and high body counts, all choreographed by the legendary fight coordinator Yoon Woo Ping, who did the Kill Bill films, Kung Fu Hustle, The Matrix, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and more. Includes all three films as part of this set. And then what else we got here? Looks like we're shy one horse. (laughs) You brought two too many. Yikes. All right, Matt. Your number two, then, is Knock at the Cabin, M. Night Shyamalan's latest film featuring Dave Bautista. Deleted scenes are included in some making of featurites. This is the one where the uh, couple and their kid are up at the cabin, and then Bautista and three of his friends show up and say, listen, uh, one of you got to kill the other. If not, the world's going to end. And I think it's a really interesting film up until basically the last, like, 20 minutes. Mm. And then it kind of falls apart. But still, overall, I think it's worth a rental. What about you, Matt? Would you say people should check yeah, it out? Yeah, I think you should check it out. I mean, for no other reason than to watch Dave Batista. He's pretty good in it. Absolutely. And uh, Best Buy has an exclusive steelbook. And, of course, your number one. There can be only one. Criterion is putting out Branded to Kill. Say John Suzuki's classic film is being released in 4K where a Yakuza's assassin with a fetish for sniffing steamed rice botches a job and ends up a target himself. It's a brand new 4K restoration, interviews with a director, and more. Uh, big fan of Brandon to Kill. I have it on DVD, and I have not watched it for a very long time. I don't know if I'll upgrade it. I mean, it's, if I get the right price for it, maybe I will, because it is a fun, crazy little film. But Matt, there's one other thing I want to talk about with you. And I'm really struggling because this is coming out in a 4K box set. General, would you care to step outside? Superman! Superman, thank God. I mean, get him! Come to me, son of Jerome! 
kneel before Zod. So, Matt, that's right. The uh, Superman films, the Christopher Reeve movies, are all being released in 4K. It includes for Superman 2 and the Richard Donner cut mm-hmm. are both been remastered in 4K. I only own the first one on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've actually bought it twice now. I bought it a few years ago, and then like, two years ago, a year ago, they released a TV cut on Blu-ray, which is like three hours long. It has the scenes added back in that were cut, but now there's the 4K set. So from what I understand, the picture for all of them look great. The old versions had a big had an issue where the suit looked kind of bluish green, almost this teal mm-hmm. color, and they did color corrections for the whole thing, and it actually looks blue again. Okay. There's some minor audio issues, supposedly, where there's like a millisecond dropout on uh, Superman, uh, or maybe Superman 2 that people are complaining about. And I part of me think it's, you're probably not even going to hear it or notice mm-hmm. it. But then I also, part of me gets it because this hit me the other day when I was going back and forth on buying this set, is that this is probably the last time this is going to be put out on physical media. Mm. You think so? You know, and that and this would be the last time for a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Fewer and fewer stores are carrying physical media, and if they do, it's such a much smaller inventory. And I think this might be the last hurrah for this stuff. So this would be it. This will be your set, basically. So I think I'm going to get it at some point, because like I said, I have them all on DVD except for the first yeah. one. I have that nice, I don't know if you've ever seen it, if you have the steel, it's like a big steel box. Yeah. Uh, with the S symbol on it, and they're all in there. But it included um, Superman Returns as well, which this set does not. There was a Steelbook edition, too, that was exclusive, I believe, to Amazon. But I just couldn't. I'm not a big Steelbook guy, yeah. and I just couldn't justify the cost. And right now, Amazon has it at $93 for all four, I guess, five films. And I think it's the MSRP is like 140 so I'm trying to figure out what to do. If I just pull the trigger and get it, or do I wait? Because what it is, it's I'm having that Star Trek issue mm-hmm. where I bought that Star Trek the motion picture thing was like 80 bucks yeah. when I bought it, and it was on sale like a month later for like 50, yeah. and I was or maybe 40. And I think what it is is I got really nervous because I thought it was it was they, there was a limited run. They're only going to make so many of them, yeah. and then once they're gone, they're yeah. gone. But I guess people didn't jump on them like I thought they would. Now I'm wondering, do I just sit and wait? And see it just till the set gets down to like sixty, which I think would be reasonable. Yeah. Or do I pull the trigger at the ninety three? So is the Superman like once they're gone, they're gone? Not that I'm aware mm. of. So I don't think I have any like the, the exclusive thing was the steel books. Right. Okay. That's it. And like I said, I'm not a big steel book yeah. guy. Though I did I'll show you, Matt. I did just pick up the uh oh. man who nice. uh fell to earth. Best buy had an exclusive four K steelbook of yeah. this so i did grab that but that's because i have an addiction issue with david bowie <laughs> and and uh 4k blu-rays i guess my thought is i'd sit on it for a little while i would yeah. say give yourself a price point goal that you're waiting for or a time frame so if you say i'm gonna wait nine months or if it hits well i'll make it up sixty dollars if any, when any of those two things happen, then I'm going to buy it. Because I know you well enough to know that if you don't get this, and it does end up being the last time you can get it, you're going to hate yourself for it for the rest of your life. So, <laughs> And then you're going to end up buying it off of eBay for some ridiculous amount of money, and you're going to be mad about it. So give yourself a time frame. How long did it take for Star Trek to come down? 
probably about a month to two months at the most. All right, so give yourself around Black Friday. See where it is on Black Friday. And if it yeah. hasn't, yeah. if it hasn't dropped, then it's okay. Then maybe it's not, and then you buy it. If it has dropped before, then you know, go ahead and scoop it up at that price point that you think you're comfortable with. I think one of the things that helps me is where I remind myself how many things I've bought that I've never even opened yeah. and watched. Yeah. I and plus those I haven't watched that DVD set probably since I bought yeah. it. I've watched Superman on Blu-ray. I watch that once a yeah. year, uh, but that's it. I haven't really watched the other ones, I think, since I bought that set. And like I said, there's so many other things I have. The weird thing is I try to have been try to be very selective about what I buy. But there are mm. still like historical things like I never bought. Like I wanted it to come out on Blu-ray or was waiting for it to come out for a specific price point or I was really waiting for it to be on 4K. And stuff's just not coming out or like, you know, it's really hard to find. Like I was trying to, like, I was thinking, I was checking to see if Barbarian from last year does not have a physical release at all. Um, There was something else that I was looking for that I, oh, Suspiria, the Suspiria remake. I was trying to get that on 4K. You can't get it anywhere in the U.S. So I was kind of kicking myself for waiting on some of that stuff. So now I'm starting to get, like, I don't, I don't want to just buy anything like i used to in my heyday of dvds but yeah stuff that i really do want i feel like i need to jump on because it because it, once it kind of goes out of print it's hard to find yeah that's the other thing part of about things being out in physical media for the last time now in a weird way weird thing it's it's like the golden age of stuff being released on physical media right. i mean there's things coming out in blu-ray and 4k that i would i was shocked that i'd see in that medium that's mostly though your boutique labels are snapping up these kind of classic and cult films. But you're right. I think part of the issue is that the major studios want people to continue to subscribe to their streaming services. Mm. So that's why Barbarian hasn't gotten a physical release, yeah. right? That's why you're seeing that kind of thing. And then there's stuff too. And I've been, I'm desperate to get Park Chan Wook's Vengeance trilogy in 4K. Mm. And there's only, I think, been, they've only been released in Germany. And from what I understand, those scans are not good. Right. So I'm talking old boy, sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance. They're not good, but you can't find them anywhere. So I have my DVDs still, though I have old boy on blue. Yeah. I think it was released by Tartan Asia here years ago. But the other two I have on DVD, and I'd love to upgrade those. But there's some stuff they're just not, I don't know, licensing issues or like, like your issue. The, the services do not want to let them go and put them on Blu-ray. Yeah. And it, it is. It's very frustrating, or 4K for that matter. I find myself, though, I'm focusing now on the boutique stuff. I'm realizing that I'm not going to be buying as much physical. I'm not buying stuff as it comes out like I used to now. And I'm more comfortable buying digital copies of certain things than I used to be. I just make sure I download it. I don't leave it to the cloud. So I I download it. I have an external hard drive, and there's some stuff I'll, I'll also have. A, I have a backup external that I'll put stuff on. Like every four to six months, I back that yeah. up too. And, but like I just bought uh, Get Carter, BFI's 4K of Get Carter, the Michael Caine one, the original, not the yes, the Stallone one, which is, is a fantastic British uh, gangster film. We've never seen it. And that's coming here, and I bought something else with it. Boy, that is sad that I got something. Oh, um, Martin, mm-hmm. 
George Romero's vampire film. It was released in, uh, well, vampire film was released in the UK. Um, and that was put out in 4K there. I bought that too because Diabolic DVD, they get the imports. Those are both imports. Okay. But they're 4K, yeah. so they'll play. Yeah. So those are coming tomorrow. I'm very excited. So there's like those kind of things I'm willing to shell out for too, like your Italian horror. Sure, I'll drop 50 bucks on City of the Living Dead. Yeah. Because again, I think it's the last time those are going to be put out in a physical media. But stuff that we've been doing for the show, like I'll pick up Evil Dead Rise on 4K. Yeah. I, I definitely will. Um, and I did see that they've announced it, so that's good. But like scrolling through what we've done, there's Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I'd probably get that digitally. I, I, would, I'll, I would buy it, it at the right price because that's just the, yeah, my nerd stuff. Yeah. John Wick Chapter 4, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's a 4K. Infinity Pool has been on sale for 15 bucks. Yeah. I'm not going to buy it unless it's 4K. And plus, there's the unrated version that supposedly is out there. It's not that different, but still. But uh, I'm trying to think. I'm scrolling through the show. Megan, I'm, I'll be okay with that. I want that on Blu-ray because I want the extended cut, the unrated mm-hmm. cut. And I'm okay, I think, with blue for Megan. Yeah. But I'm waiting for that to hit 10 bucks, yeah. And it's been at about 15 so I'm not quite there yet for that. Yeah, I don't know. Man, it's not been... Like, The Menu. That's a great example of a film I enjoyed yeah. that I think I'd be satisfied with a digital copy yeah. of. Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. It's just like, again, it's that historical stuff, stuff that I never got around to getting that I kind of wish I had, you know. And But for the most part, I think I've got probably 80% of the stuff I would ever want to get that's not, like, new stuff coming out. And I'm seriously considering curating for the first time in my life as well. What do you mean by that? Getting rid of stuff. Oh, yeah. That I know I'm not going to watch. I keep I've threatened to uh, to keep doing that thing, or I need to go through all my DVDs and decide and like just watch them and say, are they good? Am I going to upgrade them? Am I going to keep it, or just so I just need to get rid of it because it's just taking up space? I'd love to read or watch that, whatever it would be on the site. You should definitely do that. So yeah, on the other thing, like I want to get Casablanca on 4K, yeah. but I'm waiting that for four, 14 bucks. The Big Sleep as well, Cool Hand Luke. I only have that on DVD. Yeah. Like those classics I want to get in 4K and then just call yeah. it. So, all right, whatever. I think I've spent enough time on that. Matt, you're straight to DVD pick of the week then. I think we've set Superman. We're going to wait. I'll say 60 bucks okay. Or Black or, Friday, um, one or the other. Yeah. Makes sense. Or, or just if I wait to Black Friday, I can probably get it for 40 yeah. 50 yeah. So That's the one thing. They're not like the Warner Brothers is not like the MCU where that stuff never drops in price. Right. Disney stuff, you know, the the cheapest it will sometimes get is like $25 or, well, I don't know, last year I got Thor, the last Thor one. I wasn't even going to buy it, but it was like $5 and four, or no, eight bucks and four yeah, K nice. for the last Thor. I'm like, oh, I can, I can still make that. Straight to the video pick of the week, toxic zombies, Matt, from 1980. After drug crops are sprayed with a chemical by a passing airplane, the growers of the crop are poisoned by the chemical and turn into zombie-like mutants. Boy, that's rough. What should we be streaming this week? So I'm going to recommend the Stone Cold Classic. If you haven't seen it, uh, you really should for your film education. Uh, 12 Angry Men, a mm. story about uh, a jury who is has to decide uh, the fate of a young man who's on trial for murder. And their kind of prejudices and, and preconceived notions are all kind of clashing against each other. Basically, it takes place in a single room. It's all a bunch of character studies, but it is a one of those masterclass films that if you're into film, you have to watch it. It's available on a, a, a whole wide variety of services: Hoopla, Canopy, uh, Pluto. If you don't mind the 
the commercials, but it's free. So it's out there for you to check out, and I think you should take the effort to, to do it. I was also listening to the In the Mouth of Madness episode of Screen Run today, and um, mm. David Rosen, your guest, he recommended uh, The Dark and the Wicked, and I'm going to recommend that as well. It's a creepy little slow burn horror film that's available on Shudder. Nice. Yeah, no, I got to check that out. I did just watch 12 Angry Men about a month ago. Mm. Did you? Is that what prompted you to bring it up? Or? No, I was just, I kind of keep track of what's what's coming out, what's available, and I saw that it was okay. out there, so I gave it a plug. Yeah, I have the Criterion Blu-ray, too. I bought that a few years ago. It's a nice little uh, release. But yeah, no, that's a great recommendation. I do also have, uh, digitally, I have the remake, the TV remake with like, George mm-hmm. Scott and some other people, too. I remember liking it when I watched it as a kid. And I wanted to catch up with it, so I pulled the trigger on that. It was like $3 or 4 bucks. I'm like, oh, I want to check that out again. All right, Matt, let's go ahead and uh, break into a bank and steal some stuff. What do you say? Qu'est-ce que tu bois? Un jus. Garçon, trois filtres. Trois? Uh-huh. On attend Mario. Uh. Merci. Ta gueule. Merci de quoi? Si tu t'étais allongé au poulet il y a cinq ans, c'est toi qui me refilerais du pognon maintenant. C'est moi qui dirais merci. Quand je pense que t'as tout pris sur ton dos parce que je n'étais qu'un gosse à l'époque. Tony, il paraît que Mado est revenu. T'es sûr Cinq ans que j'espérais ça. Où elle est Je sais pas encore. On la retrouvera. Matt, Jules Dessan has been blacklisted. The, uh... An American was it the house was it an American committee the House and American committee for I can't remember, I'm blanking on what the hell it was called now I think I have it written down how about I look at that Matt maybe that would be smart the House on American Activities Committee is that what it was either yeah. way he's been blacklisted for being a dirty commie betrayed by his colleagues driven to France to try and salvage his career well Dasan decides to uh, make this film Rafifi initially he wanted to uh, make a film called. Well, enemy public numero, which I'm thinking is uh, public enemy number one, also known as the most wanted man. But the actual the U.S. government actually intervened into France and stopped him wow. from making the film. So he was finally able to make this film, Rafifi, based on a uh, crime novel. Tony Lestefanois, uh, played by Jean Servais, Matt, he is a down-on-his-luck thief. He actually ended up going to prison for five years for a jewel heist that went bad. And uh, one of his partners there, who he protected, comes to him with a deal to make everything right. And he's getting the crew together, and they're going to make one last big heist. You know how it goes. And then things go wrong, Matt, in Rafifi. So... What are your thoughts? We're kicking off our heist marathon with what's considered, as you said, a stone-cold classic from um, our good friends over in France. What are your thoughts on Rafifi? Is it a great way to start things off? Have we topped out already, potentially, or is this thing just overrated? I hope not. I don't think we've topped out. I think we still have some some stone-cold classics coming on. But this film, obviously, at least for the purposes of the heist... It lays the groundwork for a lot of things that we've come to expect in heist-type films. So hmm. there's the getting of the crew together. There's the you know execution of the plan and all of the kind of things that they thought of. And I think the kind of centerpiece of this film takes place about dead center in the middle. Where there's like a 30-minute 
basically dialogueless, you know, process of them breaking into this jewelry store and getting their their loot. And that part of it is completely fascinating. And it, and you can see the kind of DNA in that and even in like basically every heist film that you've seen since then. What kind of comes around it is kind of mm-hmm. a, a classic, you know, hard-boiled noir story. And I feel like this could have like slipped right into our noir marathon that we did last year or the year before. And, you know, it's got a lot of terrible people and a lot of, you know, gangsters and, and just kind of everything goes wrong and everybody gets their comeuppance and all this kind of stuff and nothing works out. So it's interesting. You've got this, this seed of this entire genre in the heist nestled in the, the kind of, normal trappings of a noir film and for the most part i think it really works yeah no absolutely and that centerpiece of the film is it's it's a classic of the genre it's set the template basically using only natural sound no effects no score and it is like you said it's absolutely riveting it's actually based on a heist that actually happened Mm. particularly the use of the umbrella to catch the debris for breaking through the floor you know from the cellar of the uh, facility and it's fantastic. And I want to understand, too, that the film has been used as like a prototype for actual crimes going forward right. as well, which is fantastic. But you're right. The setup, when they're figuring out how to stop the supposedly perfect alarm that can't be beaten, mm-hmm. um, just so many great moments. It's got all the classic noir trappings. It's got the snappy dialogue, the bad guys, the dames, whatever the case may be, right? It's got romance, thrills, violence, revenge, just desserts. Maybe a dusting of domestic violence, which I wasn't quite as comfortable with. <laughs> but uh, still, I think uh, it is a riveting couple hours. I would say, too, at one point, once the heist was over, I'm like, we got like 45 minutes left yeah. here. What, what What's left to do, right? But as our thieves run afoul of even worse people, things go off the rails from there. And it's just a riveting experience. What I love, too, is Dustin actually... They had they had hired a guy to play the Italian safecracker, who, who was from Italy, but he never got the contract. Okay, so he never showed up. So he he stuck stepped in and played that oh. role. And one of my favorite things too about this. So there's a scene where Dawson, who uh, plays Caesar, the safecracker, the Italian safecracker, he is tortured and betrays the team, and our lead here, Cervais, shoots. Kills mm-hmm. him for dishonoring their code of silence, and that dis- that's Dawson sticking it to his former colleagues right. in the United States for betraying him to the House on American Activities Committee, and it is just a great little fu moment for him, for everybody who basically ruined his life, yeah. and he came to I guess he went to France and he ended up making one of the classics of the genre. And it is great stuff, Matt. I cannot recommend it enough. In the next Criterion sale, I think I will be picking this up on Blu-ray. I enjoyed it that much and we will be revisiting it. Again, the film hangs around this 30-minute scene and it's fantastic. You know, the plotting of the thing, the relationships between, you know, Cervais and his, his former lover and how that whole thing shakes out with the gangsters and just... Really, just it's it's a really fun experience, and it's a great kickoff, I think, for our marathon, Matt. I don't, I'm giving Rafifi an A. Yeah, I am too. I think it's uh, I'm giving it an A. I agree with you. It was a little 
Because we've been so conditioned that the height, the heist is the climax, and like everything else yeah. is kind of like a denouement after that. But no, that's like a diversion until we get to the actual rest of it, and it's got so much more to it as well. So I think that works out really well in its favor that it's kind of these two two films in one. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun too when you come across something that is just so effortlessly cool as this is. So uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, unfortunately, Rafifi isn't really streaming anywhere. You're going to have to pay to rent it. Or you can just, you know, buy it. You can do that, too. But uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts on Rafifi, Matt? Well, it's our second film uh, that is also titled after a concept in a foreign language. This one is uh, uh, Violent Acts in, and, uh, in, fr- in French. So it's basically talking about uh, confrontation and violence and, and things like that. Whereas before, we yeah. had facing... You know, being keeping a stiff upper lip in the face of adversity. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Good catch. Look at you. Well, I would say, why don't you tell her what was the other film? So people are aren't uh... Sisu. Oh, you're talking about today. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. I thought you were referring to like a, a former foreign film that we had done, and I was blanking mm. myself, and that was my out because <laughs> I couldn't. I had no idea what you're talking yeah. about. But no, you're talking about the actual show today. <laughs> yes, yes. And not like another film that we had done previously as part of a marathon. Mm, right. Well, if okay, you, I'll just, I'll, you'll allow it. Thank you. I'll just edit this part out when I sound like an idiot. Good. <laughs> Great job. If you get a chance to see Rafifi, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. All right, Matt, let's close up the show and play a round of call it, shall we? One. Listen to me. I got exactly what you asked for. Did you want something else? So if there was a misunderstanding, I will fix it. I can get it. Whatever you want. Two. Listen. Talk to me. We, we can talk. Like gentlemen. Three. God! All right. All right, all right. I know where the rabbit's foot is. I can help you. The way you helped me on the airplane? That way? You put the gun down. I'm not talking to you like this. That's your choice. Or? The rabbit's foot's in Paris. You want to know where in Paris? Then let her go. Because you will it's never. not in Paris. Five. Oh boy, that countdown's going to get scarier and scarier. That, of course, is Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Cruise in Moshin. Moshin. It's called Moshin and <laughs> Impeachable. Oh, there's my boot. Oh, yeah, you guys don't know that, do you? I broke my foot. So I have one of those little uh, boots yeah, on right now. I forgot that you did. And I am styling. Yeah. Yeah. A couple more weeks, hopefully. We'll see how that goes. Mission Impossible, Matt. Three. That's the first film, I think, when the. The series, I don't know, it's like a soft reboot almost. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Where things really kind of took off and became the Mission Impossible series we know now. Because the first film, you know, is... Mediocre. Yeah, but it's a traditional kind of spy film. Mm-hmm. Where the second one is just John Woo being John Woo, making an action movie. And this is where kind of everything kind of comes together. Then, of course, we have Brad Bird, still my favorite. The, fir- the fourth one goes Protocol and then... Uh, McCory comes on board and we are where we are. So I think we talked a few weeks ago when we were talking about John Wick 4 that the two most 
consistent action franchises right now are Mission Impossible and John Wick. So there you go. You know what is absolutely hilarious? This was my first call it, and I took it off the list. Something's told me to take it off the list, so I did. Wow, look at us. We share one brain. I think... um, I think I got to go John Wick, and I don't even think it's close for me because as much as I enjoy the later entries in the Mission Impossible series, that first mm-hmm. one I can really take or leave. The second one is just so over the top and hokey and dated. Um, it's still fun. Here's the thing. So I have Showtime, and I think I've told you this, that Showtime will like play marathons. Like, basically, yeah. they'll play this, like, a series of movies back to back to back. And Mission Impossible is one of them. So I have caught, for whatever reason, the second and the third one multiple times over the past, like, two months. At least in pieces. As well as watching them in their entirety. And every time I watch number two, it just it just does not... It just gets a little lower on the on the totem pole for me. So I think John Wick, just by the kind of... Every single one of them is quality in its own way. And overall, it just has a much higher baseline and a much higher floor that I have to go with John Wick. I keep going back and forth myself. I'm not entirely sure which to choose still at this moment. I It's just that the Mission Impossible films, to me, aren't as... The Wick films have some comedic moments, but they feel much more self-serious mm-hmm. than the Mission Impossible movies are. And I feel like with the, with the MI films, you can kind of just turn them on and then almost do other things and then pop back into it and you'd be totally fine. Well, I think John Wick requires some more attention. I don't know. They're just... The, the Mission Impossible films are a little more airy, mm-hmm. right? They're a little more cotton candy-y. Well, the Wick ones are always very serious and intense. So that's my problem is they're both they're mood based for me. If I really want to watch some ass kicking uh, action, then I'd probably go with John Wick. But if I want some lighter fare with some great stunts and that Tom Cruise smirk and really nothing really beats Tom Cruise running. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you want to go Mission Impossible then. Right. So I. I don't know. That fourth John Wick film is so good. But Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol 4 is good, too. It is. You John Wick is the right answer. You know it is. Yeah. You know it is. Yeah, you're probably right. Ghost Protocol is the only one I don't own in 4K. Because I have... The other... What is it? The fifth one came out. 4K was out. So I picked that one up. As, and then I had other ones I didn't... I think I had on DVD. So Ghost Protocol is the only one I haven't gotten on 4K. Because I have it in Blu-ray. And the digital copies 4K. But... Maybe if that's nice and cheap at some point, I can upgrade that for like ten bucks. Because what I understand, the transfer is on that 4K of Ghost Protocol is phenomenal. Even blows the Blu-ray out of the water, which the Blu-ray is supposed to be good. But all right, anyway, all right, Matt, what do you got? Pick your acting wrestler, The Rock or John Cena. We're leaving Batista oh. out of it because Batista is obviously yep. number one. Yeah, easily. So, in fact, we decided, at least I decided, that I would no longer refer to him as former wrestler turned actor. He is now just actor. Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista. Wow. Man. I just, a personal preference, I think I go Cena at this mm. point. He seems to be a little more self-aware. Yeah. 
then I think uh, Dwayne Johnson does not have that. I think it's when before, like, ask me this 10 years ago, it's it's going to be Dwayne Johnson, right. right? But I don't know. After Peacemaker, I think I got to go Cena. What about you? Yeah, I think The Rock has more natural charisma, but the more I hear about him, the, mm-hmm. the more the less I like. At least his kind of diva personality on set and some of the stuff he tries to pull. And I love Peacemaker. I thought that was a great show. So I do appreciate John Cena's willingness to kind of ham it up and also show a little bit of range at the same time. So, yeah, yeah I got to give it to Cena at this point, which is not something All I would have right. thought I would have said. Yeah, no, me neither. All right, so in celebration of the set coming out, Matt, which one do you want? If you only watch one of this set, would it be Superman 1 or Superman 2? And then... Which you prefer, Superman three or Superman four? I think I'd have. To... So let's start with that. Let's go three four because that's yeah, maybe easier. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, neither one of them are great, but I think no. the third one, at least in terms of even production quality, is so much better than the fourth one. I would have to go three. The fourth one, I can see what they were going for. They're trying to be kind of like you know uplifting in its plot but it's just nonsensical and it, it looks terrible and I, I guess i got yeah, the gutting of the budget yeah. for that film too yeah, yeah. so I, I think we definitely we have it. to go three yep agreed plus you get you know super bad superman versus good superman right. fight you have superman getting drunk on whiskey at the bar right. and uh, yeah. <laughs> your fame your That's long-term right profile picture is uh superman for a long time was superman taking a shot of whiskey <laughs> that's right it was a very long time yeah. for one and two i think i gotta go with two I think I like the depowered Superman. I, of course, I love J- Zod and and those guys. I mm-hmm. think they're great villains. The first one with Lex Luthor and the kind of ground setting—it's a story we've heard. As much as I like it, I still think I got to go two because it's it has that same sense of a lot of superhero movies. They get all the origin stuff out of the way, they get all the ground setting out of the way, and then they can just tell a story. And I think that what's what works for number two. Yeah, I think I watched the first one more often because it's I, I love the beginning. I love the time when we have Clark as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, and I've always really enjoyed that, even though it, I think it's, I didn't realize until about five, ten years ago that it was Christopher Reeve. They dubbed Reeve his dialogue oh, over the kid. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, Terrence Stamp is so great. It's odd. Yeah. And I do. I think I would I think I prefer the Richard Lester cut over daughter's uh, version of superman 2 yeah, actually yeah but maybe that's because it's the one i grew up with i don't know but i'd probably go too so let me ask you a question because this never occurred to me i saw it on twitter i don't know if it was scott wampler or who was it? i can't remember who it was but he tweeted that when he watched superman and you know when he goes back in time that's the problem with superman 2 with daughter's version they do the, it's the same ending right. um where he goes he it's not that Superman is spinning the earth backwards and turning back time. He's going so fast that he's going back in time. Right. So I always interpreted that he was reversing the earth's rotation mm-hmm. and turning time back. But it's not that. It's him going back in time. Right, and they're showing the visual effects by the earth returning around when i was a kid right. i thought he was literally turning the earth around like he was like re- reversing it like a record but yeah he does yeah that's what i that's what i thought he was always doing but i guess you know i guess they can try and retcon that to you know be like a flash thing where he's moving so fast that he kind of 
breaks the space-time barrier, but that's not what's happening. He's, he reversed that. He reversed the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is what it is. I just think that this person, who I'm again, I don't remember who it was. So that's how they interpreted what happened. Mm. So by, I like that interpretation better than what actually was done. Because, yeah, <laughs> reversing the, the Earth's rotation, I think, would have disastrous oh, effects yeah. and would not undo Yeah, things. it would completely destroy <laughs> everything. But, you know, hey. details. All right, fair enough. All right. A24 or Neon? You asked me this five years ago. It's A24. Now... Like today, it's now. I haven't seen Bo is Afraid yet, so we'll be catching up with that as soon as it hits digital. Oh, we should probably talk about why we haven't seen that either. Okay. Uh, we had some timing issues. We were supposed to do Bo is Afraid, but we um, the timing of it didn't work. I couldn't make a double feature work, and then Matt was going to go see Bo is Afraid like at a ten o'clock showing on like a Friday night. That's true. I was, yeah. And it and it wouldn't have started to like ten fifteen or ten twenty, yeah. and it's three hours long. Yeah. I said, I can't, I'm not going to do that to you. So, um, and plus, it's going to play in, in here a less than desirable theater projection experience. With I know there's a couple of theaters they use for the art house films, and the bulb on that, and both of them are, are I think, are shot. And I'm like, I'm not going to put myself through that. So we're going to wait until it hits digital, and then we'll watch it then. But we'll do it pretty much as soon as it drops. Okay. A24 is still churning out some really great stuff. But the, some of my favorite films of the last few years have been Neon. Right. And that's uh, Portrait of a Woman on Fire. Just a film that devastated me. Uh, Nicolas Cage and Pig. Pig said, Cage said that's the best his favorite film he's done. Really? Yeah, he did an interview uh, when he was promoting um, Renfield. And he felt that that was the best thing he's done. And um, I don't know. Of course, that Bowie documentary I enjoyed so much was them as well. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe Flea, the film we watched last year. We both really enjoyed that as well. Mm -hmm. Parasite. I mean, A24, yeah, it's churning out more stuff. But Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Did I say Woman Before? It's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's going to be one of those where it's going to stay with me probably for the rest of my life. Kind of like a uh, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Uh, There Will Be Blood. I mean, that's the kind of impact that film had on Yeah. So, yeah, I guess Neon... Man, I don't. But if I want to go just sheer content, just to keep stuff coming, it would probably have to be a twenty-four because yeah. they're putting out stuff and they're still doing weird stuff. I think what it is, I'm just kind of annoyed with them because they're in more of a retail store that puts out movies now. Yeah. They're p- pushing out a lot of stuff that's just. I think some of it's just a little weird. I don't know. I don't know. Where do you fall? Help me. Um. Yes, yeah, so I think you, Neon has the kind of has the highest ceiling has reached the higher heights than a 24 has. But I think for me, there's still more things that I appreciate from a 24. I think they release yeah. a lot more of the kind of artsy horror films, which I appreciate. Now, most of the time, a lot of them don't work, but Hey, I'm on board for at least them trying. Whereas neon doesn't seem to do that as much. So I think I personally would still go a 24. Yeah. They put out that, uh, how to blow up a pipeline. It's supposed to be pretty good. I can check that out as well. Um, the last year, they did something. They had a, like a, a, a yearbook. Mm-hmm. They put all their films out in this one set, and a couple of them were Blu-ray exclusives to the set. I think one of them was Hole in the Ground. Okay. And uh, But I owned half of them already, so I didn't buy it. But I keep checking their website, 
to see if they're going to put one out for 2022. And I haven't seen anything about it yet. So, which is disappointing. Yeah, it was Ailey, All all Light Everywhere, Flea. And uh, I'm just, the screen changed on me. Here we go. In the Earth, not on the ground. In the Earth, Pig, Spencer, Titan, and something else. Yeah. So, but you know, A twenty four has Hereditary, Midsummer, The Lighthouse, yeah. Pearl, The Witch, X. Yeah, you're right. I guess it's A twenty four. All right, well, you keep doing you, Neon. <laughs> you have a fan. All right, Matt. Here's my last one for okay. you. Both over the top franchises do not know when to call it quits. You can only you're going to be stuck with one of them. Not just you can only have, you're stuck with one. Okay. Which one is it? You have to watch all of them whenever they come out as they continue to come out. Fast and Furious or the Saw movies? It's got to be Fast and Furious because at least I can make fun of them and have a good time just watching, you know, Vin Diesel do his version of emoting and him unironically yeah. saying stuff about family like it's like a drinking game in and of itself where a saw would be just a complete slog as i watch these things and just hate my life i think fast and furious at least i could laugh at it how over the top and dumb they are yeah i think that's the right answer is and you know at some point we'll have the fast and furious the next generation right with dom's kids <laughs> have to uh break dom out of jail or the nursing home to do something well, because I don't of family because it's very exactly. important it's a theme that it's they're family. just kind of getting onto now is family <laughs> yes. and it's just i think part of the issue too with the saw films is, is not just the violence and the really poor writing and bad plots and all that stuff but also the the aesthetics of the film like the way they like a bunch of them are shot in this kind of putrid green yeah. haze it's just weird yeah, it's not good yeah, so, though, I don't know, I watched all of them a year ago or so as part of, like, a little horror Halloween thing, because I don't think I'd, I think there's one or two I hadn't seen, and there's a couple of them I'd never seen the unrated versions, and they were all on HBO, including the unrated yeah. ones. So I, I, I ran through them all over, like, a three-week span, and uh, they weren't as bad as I remembered, but still not, not good. Yeah, they're not, they're not great. All right, bring us home. All right, so you want to do... Uh... A little bit of a lightning round here sure okay so let's have a, a face-off on prestige boutique film physical media companies okay you ready mm-hmm. all right vinegar syndrome or kino lorber i guess i gotta go kino because they get their hands on some really great stuff and Vin- vincent is there's a lot of stuff that they put out the vast majority of my stuff respectfully it's things I'm never gonna. I would never watch. Right. So it's key. Shout Factory or Arrow? That's a little tougher. The problem with Arrow is a lot of their stuff is confined to the UK, mm. and Shout Factory ends up putting it out. I guess I gotta. Oof. Arrow's more diverse in their releases, though, and their sets are just they're just nicer. They are. They are much more much more care and attention to detail and stuff with their sets. But you're not going to get as much as you can get from Shout. But Shout's pretty much put out, I think, most of what they're going to put out at this point. I guess i got to go Arrow. Man, I, yeah. 
All right. And this is probably not fair, but I guess it's the closest I could get. Criterion or the Warner Archive? Oh, Criterion. That's, there's nothing really that kind of competes with Criterion. That's the closest I could come up with. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, I think Criterion would be the way to go for that one. There's some good stuff on Warner Archive, but again, the, the attention, the detail, the supplements, all that stuff, it just Criterion blows Warner Archive away. The only thing I complain about Criterion is that anything they put out, they try and like sell, it's like this really super important movie. And it's every now and again, I'll be like, really? Is that really that important of a movie? <laughs> That's true. I did have one more. I, I was actually going to be, I don't know why I blanked on it. So I'll ask you real fast. Would you rather have your favorite movie or your favorite album? You can only have one Ooh. where you could revisit. Wow. But I can still watch other films or I can never watch any other movie except my favorite. And I can never listen to any other album except my favorite album. I was, I was kind of thinking about if you could only watch... Or basically... You couldn't watch your favorite movie. You could never watch your favorite movie again, but you could listen to your favorite gotcha, album. it's one or the other. Everything else still exists. Yeah. I guess I'd have to go with my favorite album because in this hypothetical scenario... Or I'm, not, I'm sorry, my favorite movie because at least in my favorite album, I can probably still hear individual songs, maybe? Like they come up on the radio or something? No. <laughs> they're no, no, just no, gone no, no, forever. No, no. Like yes. they're just completely wiped from, the, you Correct. know... Uh, I, this isn't my favorite album, but uh, it's the first thing that comes on. So, like, Doolittle is just doesn't exist for me. Like, anytime it comes Correct. on, I just can, my brain shuts off. White noise. Coma. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, God. That's tough. I guess I'd, then I'd have to go with album. I, I think I could live without a, I think I could live, as much as it would pain me to say it, I could probably live without whatever my favorite movie is today than I could my favorite album. Yeah. yeah, I think I would agree with you. I, I, If I could never let's say, like, what is my favorite movie right now? I mean, typically the answer is Casablanca. Mm. My favorite movie of the last 20 years where I just drive. But could I not listen to David Bowie's Low ever again? Yeah. No. I couldn't do yeah. it. That album's too important to me. As a failed artist as well, as a fan of his work, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Well, so, I, music's so different, though. I mean, you can listen to a music yeah. and it can take you to literally, like, remind you of things that happened in your past when you were listening to the same thing. Like, it just has a completely different thing. As much as I love movies, it's just not the same experience. No, it's not. So, yeah, I guess join us next, next week for the new show, The First Spin, <laughs> where we just because clearly music is more important to both mm-hmm. Matt and I than movies are. It is. It is. Well, you know what? We had a good run. 655 episodes of movies. Let's, let's shift it. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, what would your choices be here? Shoot us an email. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. How do you make those calls? We'd love to hear from you. And uh, that's that. Matt, what should we... What should we? What will we be discussing next week? Well, we got the next big Marvel release in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The buzz is pretty good. And I have to say... I'm a Marvel fanboy, but I have been very disappointed in everything that's pretty much come out since No Way Home, which I loved, unapologetically loved, but I've been very disappointed about everything else that's come out since, and I'm hoping this is a return to form, um, because Gunn's going to do his thing, and then we're going to follow up with our next uh, movie in the heist marathon, Um, I believe it is the original Italian job. Yep, some more Michael Caine goodness. So we'll be talking about that as well. And uh, I'm, I got to tell you, Matt, 
I know there's some positive buzz for Guardians, but you're not, you're not. I did not like that Christmas special at mm. all. I it, it makes me nervous for his Superman film. Was it Legacy yeah. or something like yeah. that? He's calling it, and he's all in it. He's writing it. He's directing it. Right, that's going to be the big thing, and I don't know if he leans too hard in the schmaltzy and stuff. I don't know what's going to happen. I guess this will be a good test case. Yeah. Guardians three will be a good test case, I think, for that. So we'll see how that goes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Uh, head on over to uh, Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It help other people find the show. There's the first run dot com itself where you can find archives of all the old shows as well as a report card, which I desperately need to update. And Matt, at some point in the future, will be debuting his new segment on whether he needs to keep it, toss it, or upgrade mm-hmm. it. So I uh, keep your, just keep refreshing yeah. it over and over again. Somebody give me a name. I think I, I, right. somebody has to come up with something for me. So feedback at firstrun.com. Give me a name for that segment because I have no idea what to call it. There you go. That'll be helpful. And uh, that's it. So we're going to go ahead and take an extended break. We love you very much. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you again soon. Take care. Bad vibrations? 